Welcome to the Judge John Hodgman Podcast. I'm bailiff Jesse Thorne. This week, the separation of church and date. Chris brings his girlfriend Sandra to court over their disagreement about what counts as going to church. He's agreed to attend church services with her a few times a year, but thinks that going to weddings with specifically religious elements should count. Sandra disagrees. Who's right, who's wrong, only one man can decide. Please rise as Judge John Hodgman enters the courtroom. There is nothing inherently sacred about moral codes. Like the wooden idols of long ago, they are the work of human hands. And what Judge John Hodgman has made, Judge John Hodgman can destroy. Bailiff Jesse Thorne, please swear them in. Please rise and raise your right hands to swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you God, or whatever? I do. I do. Do you swear to abide by Judge John Hodgman's ruling despite his dedication to whatever? I do. I do. Very well, Judge Hodgman. Chris and Sandra, you may be seated. Now for an immediate summary judgment in one of yours favors, Chris or Sandra, can either of you name the origin of the quote that I paraphrased as I entered the courtroom? Thomas Jefferson. Oh, okay. Well, I should have told you, Sandra, that because you are being brought to this court by Chris, you have the right to guess first or or not guess first and make Chris guess first, but you have guessed. Thomas Jefferson, who wrote his own version of the Bible. So it's an interesting, you know, he, he created a Bible that removed all of the supernatural elements of the Bible and only contained the moral instruction of Jesus Christ. And so it had none of the walking on water. If I remember this correctly, I could be wrong. None of the loaves into fishes, none of the was just straight up moral code. So that's an interesting point of view. Uh, Chris, do you have a guess? Um, I'll just say something by James Joyce, and I would have deferred anyway, so it didn't didn't mess up her timing. Good. No, that's fine. It was a the fault was on mine. This is an institution uh, of men and women, and we are failures on earth. Um, we are not omnipotent nor omniscient, and I made a mistake. Let us never speak of it again. But I will say that all guesses are wrong because, uh, because you're both wrong. Uh, while uh, while I, I enjoyed both guesses, and the Thomas Jefferson one obviously piqued my curiosity, and maybe I should have quoted something from him, instead I went back to that old fallback, Anton Sandor LaVey in the Satanic Bible. I was quoting from the Church of Satan's founding uh, text, the Satanic Bible by Anton LaVey, uh, I had many, many rich choices I could have uh, offered you, but this was the one that seemed most uh, appropriate for a legal or a fake legal podcast. Are you either of you? I presume that the church that you are asking Chris to attend more frequently is not uh, Black Masses of the Church of Satan. That would actually I would want to attend that more frequently. OK, but no, normally it's the a Presbyterian church, the Presbyterian church. And so. You guys are a boyfriend-girlfriend, is that correct, Sandra? Yes. I refer to him as my partner more often than not. Well, how long have you guys been uh, partners in sin? <laughs> uh, a little, well, a little over 10 years now. Oh, yeah. But you are not married. We are not married. Not in the Presbyterian Church, not in the Church of Satan, not, not even under the uh, heretic eyes of the law. No, that's correct. All right. Do you cohabitate? Yes, yes, we do cohabitate. All right. And you cohabitate in Kentucky, is that correct? 
Yes. yes. Where in Kentucky? Louisville. Louisville, Kentucky. Is that where you guys are from? It's where I am from, and she is from Ohio. I was born and raised in Toledo, Ohio, but I've lived here for about a uh, little over 10 years. And, and did you move from Ohio to Kentucky to, uh, to be with Chris? No, I moved here for grad school and then uh, just happened to meet Chris the first weekend that I moved here. Oh, really? What, what was the situation? Did you meet in church? <laughs> no, it was uh, one of my good friends from uh, from college uh, is from Louisville. And so I got in touch with him as soon as I moved here. And he told me to come out and meet some of his friends who live here just to um, just to know some locals. And that's where I met him. Awesome. And uh, may I ask what your ages are? I am 33. I'm 33 as well. Oh, oh boy. You know, the, someone else was 33 once. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. It didn't Sorry, go well Jesus after here. that. <laughs> Anton LaVey. <laughs> but, but unlike Jesus Christ, uh, Anton LaVey didn't give up. He kept going, wouldn't let himself be crucified, and lived to a ripe old age of something else later. <laughs> I don't know. Because the Church of Satan, of course, uh, is not exactly a church. It is not Satan worship. It is a, uh, a provocative art project dedicated to uh, turning men and women away from worship of all kinds. It is a, essentially Ayn Randian objectivism with goat masks, as I believe I have said before in this podcast. Just so you know, I am not a Satanist. I do not quote uh, someone who worships the devil. If in case you were worried, I am here completely agnostic in the truest and most cowardly sense. I have no idea what's going on out there. But you, Sandra, are uh, a member of the Presbyterian Church and grew up that way? Yes, I'm a cradle Presbyterian, and I moved to Louisville uh, to do a dual program with Louisville Presbyterian Theological Seminary and University of Louisville's Law School. So um, I am an attorney, uh, but I am also a candidate for ordination. Um, I, the Presbyterian Church USA, my, my abbreviation would just be PCUSA. Um, and I will hopefully be ordained sometime this year, I hope. As a, I don't even know what you would be ordained as, priestess of the high presber? <laughs> no, we kind of juggled terms. Um, people either know it as an ordained teaching elder or minister of word and sacrament. Um, our own denomination is kind of confused by those two terms right now. Orda Wait a minute, ordained preaching elder? An ordained teaching elder or minister of word and sacrament. Does your religion take place in a fantasy novel or something? Those are some heavy-duty titles. I like them a lot. Do you get to choose which one you get to be? No, so it, it was, the, the title was uh, Minister of Word and Sacrament for years, and then it was maybe, I'm not even sure how long ago, maybe eight years ago or so, they switched to teaching elder, but that at our last general assembly, which is the, the national um, meeting of our of our church, Every two years, they some people um, just raise the issue that people were confused by the term teaching elders. So they want to go back to minister of word and sacrament. So Presbyterians are still confused by it, but we go by either. There's a unique power structure in the Presbyterian church, uh, and particularly in local Presbyterian churches, right? Um it, both it, it's a very democratic system so you have the, the congregation is ruled by elders who are elected and then there's a presbytery which is kind of more of a, of a smaller regional governing body then there's your synods which are groups of presbyteries and then your general assembly level which is the national church structure and if you were to give a a, a extremely brief 
explanation of what the Presbyterian denomination is compared to, say, the Catholic Church? Mm-hmm. Is there a theological, a main theological difference? Is there a main structural difference? Yes, the the Presbyterian Church, and within the label of Presbyterianism, there are a lot of separate denominations. But the mm-hmm. PCUSA is the largest denomination, Presbyterian denomination in the U.S. Uh, we're a mainline Protestant church, and we're in the Reformed tradition. And so I'd say that our theology is uh, progressive to liberal. Um, we believe that the Bible is the inspired word of God, but we don't take a literal interpretation of it. And um, we we think that God speaks to all people, um, and we have to read the Bible within a certain cultural and historical context. And we're very committed to social justice issues. Great. Thank you very much, high esteemed master of word and law <laughs> not yet <laughs> in my heart okay in, my, in the religion of judge john hodgman i have already ordained you <laughs> why thank you chris yes you monstrous dirty layman you are not <laughs> ordained what is your relationship to the presbyterian church if any i have no relation to the presbyterian church except through sandra mm-hmm. uh, where i go as her guest uh, a few times a year as we've discussed she signs you in with some, you know, bad looks coming at me. Uh-huh. Not really. You're her plus one to the church. Exactly. <laughs> All right. So did you grow up in, in any religious context? I grew up a Catholic mm-hmm. and then quickly ma- made my way over to an agnostic and an atheist, which is where I am now. So I can give myself whatever title I would like um, and just bestow it on myself. Like, are you, are you a member of the Church of the Flying Spaghetti Monster? Is that how atheist you are? I follow them on Facebook, but, you know, again, that's a little too formal for me. So <laughs> I like to be out by myself on these issues. The Church of the Flying Spaghetti Monster is a, a phony religion, kind of like the Church of Satan, that was created to highlight the arbitrary absurdity of all religion. It's a protest non-religion religion. And... Its primary characteristics are people wearing colanders on their heads, and of course, it's known for its formality. (laughs) (laughs) So, wow. So you are an atheist, and you are in a a long-term relationship with a woman who is about to become a teaching elder. And let me guess, Sandra, are you not an atheist? I am not. I believe in something greater than humankind. Right. You believe in God. Yes. Right. As a label. Okay. Uh, all right. Do you believe in an afterlife? Um, I'm kind of indifferent. Um, I think that in a lot of ways, human humans created an afterlife to make themselves feel better about death. I know. I sure I did. Think, <laughs> so I, I just... With in my faith, I, I tend to focus on the here and now and making, mm-hmm. um, trying to do the best I can to um, make the world. It sounds cheesy, but make the world a better place while I'm here. Sure, that's you know very much uh, in the tradition of the Church of Satan. And I might <laughs> just quote to you from the Satanic Scriptures by Peter H. Gilmore, who is currently the high magus of the Church of Satan after Anton Levade passed away. He said. Uh, We are in exciting times. Indulge, innovate, and celebrate the unique life that is your precious treasure, as well as the lives of those dear to you who enrich your days by their very existence. The world is ours, so go forth and fill your experience with satisfaction. As you flow with the eternal now, may it be 
in exquisite pleasure. Peter H. Gilmore, Satanic Scriptures. Will you read that to your congregation at some point for me? Uh, <laughs> maybe, I, yeah, I may, may bring you up in a, in a, maybe a Sunday school class, something when we study other sacred texts. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> because Presbyterians, I think that they would be open to, to even reading something from the Satanic Bible just to see other, other schools of thought and what other people, um, like what other people believe in. Peter H. Gilmore, I've met personally, he could not be a more adorable or sweet man. And also <laughs> a, a, a very learned enthusiast of tiki cocktail culture. Hmm. There's a shock. That just doesn't fit, culturally speaking. <laughs> I don't mean to bring money into the temple, but if you were to read a pass that passage to your Sunday school class, I would pay you $1,000. <laughs> really? <laughs> Offer and acceptance. <laughs> All right, good. I'm, I've got the check here as soon as you provide the proof. Okay. <laughs> we'll just see what happens. <laughs> I will actually go to church that day and videotape it as the proof. You know, see, Chris, it seems to me that you, the, the the dispute here is that Sandra would like you to go to church more. And specifically, you, you have agreed to how many church visits per year? Do you have an existing contract? We do. Um, so I would say almost 10 years ago or, or very close to the start of the relationship, I agreed to go twice a year to church with her. Mm -hmm. And now see, I don't know why you wouldn't want to go five or six or eight times a year. Cause this is, this sounds like fun church to me. They're reading the satanic Bible in there, <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> and cash and checks for a thousand dollars. It just seems like it's cool. Anything. I won't say anything goes, but it's a real open-minded swinging, uh, congregation over there. If the ruling is they have to do the satanic Bible and the thousand dollars every week, I'm in. <laughs> we'll just see about the ruling. Now, the dispute is that you've agreed to go two times a year, but you are counting Christmas and Easter and weddings and presumably funerals and other, you know, sort of mandatory events as your church visits. And Sandra doesn't think that counts. Is that do I understand the dispute correctly? Christmas and Easter would count against the two. Mm -hmm. I want to count weddings with church services attached to them. Is going to church. Okay. You want to get it done as quickly as possible. Exactly. All right. What do you dislike about it? It's Sunday morning. You know, I don't find it particularly interesting or uplifting as many people do. And I would just rather avoid it altogether. When you say weddings with church services attached, um, can you describe what you mean by that? Do you simply mean religious weddings or do you mean weddings that have... Um, you know, people taking communion and stuff. I, I think there's the sliding scale there, which is what we want the clarification on. Um, the most liberal short wedding with no mention of any religion wouldn't count, obviously. But if the communion is given out and there are multiple readings and a priest um, and all the other church elements held in a church, I think that should count as going to church. I'll give you an example. I was married in a church, the church that I grew up going to. Uh, I was married by my uh, grandfather-in-law, who is a judge, not a priest, um, and he forgot my name several times. <laughs> uh, is that a religious wedding? As the facts given, I would say no. However, many weddings have multiple religious readings that go on, and a lot of the you know the symbolism of the church is brought into the wedding as well. So it, in your scenario, it sounds no. What if there are religious readings, but they don't match? Oh, so one Hindu reading and one Catholic? Yeah. 
I would, you know, this is this is what we go to the judge for. We need some a strict ruling on this. Um, that would be evidence against my point of view, though. Okay, let me let me get to this to the holy spirit of the law rather than the earthly letter of the law. Sandra, when you suggested that Chris join you at church twice a year, did you hope that he would be coming to your congregation twice a year? Uh, well, it's hard because I don't really, I kind of have a home congregation here, but I, I specifically meant Sunday morning services, unless it was a Christmas Eve service that happened at night. That was my understanding of the agreement we were getting into. And this was purely a verbal agreement? You did not yes. write it down on any golden plates no. or stone tablets? We did not. Okay. Well, you, maybe you should think about that next time. <laughs> you won't have to go to a dumb podcast. And why do you want Chris to join you two Sundays at a minimum per year at church service? Well, it started, so the first, uh, when we first met, I was in seminary. And my second year of seminary, I worked for a church and I knew I was going to preach at least two times during my uh, internship. And then I think it just, how I came up with the number two is that there's a lot of Christians who are just Easter's and Christmases or CNE's, Christmas and Easter's. And that's um, what you call them? CNE's, yes. CNE's? <laughs> we have a label for you C and E's. Yeah, no, I got gotcha. you. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Christmas and Easter's. Sure. And, and so for me, it was just that. Um, that those two church services on those days, that that's about family uh, more than, I mean, it for me, it's very spiritual those days as well. But um, any other day of the year, any other Sunday, I don't mind sitting alone by myself in a pew. I, I, I'm there to worship, so I don't care if I have company. But it's more of those times when they're more special family moments. Uh, and if my family's unable to come to Louisville to celebrate those with me, that I want Chris to be there because he's uh, the, the only family I have here. So you're only asking for C and E out of him. You just want him to be one of those garbage Christians that you and the other <laughs> elder teachers make fun of behind the scenes. <laughs> yeah, or if he wants to substitute one of those services for a day that I'm leading worship or preaching, um, then, then he can do that. Are you hoping that Chris will, if he attends at least twice a year, he might come closer to your worldview than his current contemptible atheism? Are you trying um, to convert your boyfriend partner? I am. I am not, and I think he would agree that that's that he would know that's not my intention. Um, mm -hmm. But I, I guess I would like to challenge him because I think that his view of Christianity is very negative based on his experiences with Christianity and just the general stereotypes that Christians are close-minded and are bigots um, and hypocrites. And just to show him that um, at least my church experience, while that that does exist, um, that there are Christians who are open-minded and progressive and uh, can work towards peace and justice rather than just bringing people down. Chris, how do you respond to this accusation that you, uh, that you hold uh, church in contempt and Christians in contempt? The people that are through her denomination, I don't hold in contempt at all or the church. And mm -hmm. I've seen already that, you know, there's a lot of great people there that are supportive of and inclusive of all types of people. To go, to go and worship with them. So um, I don't think she has to do any more convincing on that part. Um, but I still don't feel, you know, that I want to go and, and make it a, a Sunday activity, even if it is only a few times a year. And how many weddings have you been to this year? Five this year. And so how far? many of them were religious weddings by your estimation? 
I would call all five religious. I would say, and the vast majority of weddings we've been to together, I would quantum, I would say are religious in, in nature and would count, but not right. all. Sandra, do you agree that the five weddings that you have, did you attend them together? Uh, we attended most, we, we've been to 50 some weddings together, so we, they kind of blur together, but I think we've been to four weddings together this wedding season, and I would only consider, if I'm remembering correctly, only one of them religious because it was in a church and there were hymns involved and a homily. So that to me would, would um, I don't want to count it towards the two, but it would be a religious service in my book. All right. So Sandra agrees that one was religious. Chris, of the other weddings that you identified in your mind when I asked you how many you've been to this year, name the other one that, I, that you believe most qualifies as religious. First of all, who got married? Okay. Well, <laughs> I don't know that I want to give any names out and call out anybody's wedding on a, on national airwaves. I'll tell you what, I don't care what you want. Just give me their first names or make some up that sound plausible to me. That's how religions get started. Oh, my friend Andrew got married and I would say his wasn't, uh, I would not count that one. So as I, as I think back about them, that one right. would not count. And Andrew and his unnamed spouse. Okay. Next. Give me one that was religious. Um, uh, friend Keith. Got mm -hmm. married. I believe that's the one Sandra is talking about. Yes. Right. And that was in a church and, and more religious in nature. Do none of the wives have names in Kentucky? <laughs> Again, I'm trying to keep it as anonymous as Keith and Mary Beth. Okay. They're a lovely couple. I think they sound great. But why is it a... What, it's just a matter of record that, that they were married. Are you concerned that you're going to characterize their wedding as religious on a podcast and that's going to offend <laughs> them in some way? I'm just worried if other people were on podcast, what they'd say about me and I might not like it. So I guess I'm just playing my cards really close. Do unto that. others as you would have done <laughs> unto yourself. That is a law that I just wrote. It sounds good. There has to. All right. Let's forget about. I'll come up with pseudonyms. Say your friends, John Hodgman and Jesse Thorne got married in a religious ceremony. What was the other religious ceremony? At least one. Because you understand, Sandra has stipulated that one of these definitely was church wedding, right? And, and if you want me to count church weddings as visits to church, we can put that, that one in the church category. Now, if you want to get out of going to Christmas this year, you got to come up with one other wedding that is sufficiently churchy that is going to move me to think this guy has a point. So of the five, we already know that Keith, was it Keith and Mary Beth? Yes. Churchy. You don't have to give them their names, but, but describe the other, at one other churchy wedding. Well, the other churchy wedding I've been to, Sandra did not go to. And so that's kind of a gray area, which I would concede if she doesn't go, it wouldn't count. No, it would not count. You're right. Yeah. And as we look historically back in other years, it would be easier to name some of those weddings that we've been to together as, as churchy versus not churchy. There's only the one. This Just year. this year, there's only the one. Okay. So if, you, if, if I agree that that counts as a visit to church, you're still on the hook for Christmas this year. That would be correct. Did you go to Easter? I don't think so. Sandra, you and God both know. Did he go to Easter or not? Um... I can't remember if I went to church on Easter this year. 
Um, Blessed elder. Uh, I don't think I did because I think I was out of town. I, I travel a lot for work. I know that's not an excuse since I work for the seminary. Um, I may not have gone to church this Easter. Chris, do you agree that you have to go for Christmas this year? I would agree I, I have to go one more time. Right. And if she wants to use it for Christmas, then it would be used for Christmas. Well, she agrees that Christmas counts, right, Sandra? Yes. If he just did Christmas and Easter, that would be sufficient for you? Um, again, he can swap those out for other services. So, Sandra, if the reason uh, that you want him there is that you want him there for two relatively family-oriented uh, rather than, uh, you know, religiously oriented services on Christmas and Easter when everybody comes. Mm-hmm. Why is it equally appropriate for him to swap them out? Well, this year in particular is that um, it, assuming that I pass my final examination that uh, I will be having my ordination service, hopefully sometime November, December. And so then that's the issue of, is that, does that constitute a worship service? Well, wait a minute, Chris, are you thinking about skipping the ordination service? <laughs> it would be up to her. If she wants to save it in, in her back pocket till Christmas, she can. But I would go to the ordination service. And honestly, if that was my third of the year, I would probably go and support her for that. Probably. Well. I'm not trying to be unreasonable here. I would. <laughs> you would, I would probably yeah. show up for your girlfriend of 10 years becoming ordained as a priest? I would, definitely. <laughs> a high archmage of the word and law. <laughs> All right. You're definitely on for that one. Sandra, in exchange for this concession of Chris's that he made 10 years ago mm-hmm. to attend church arguably twice a year, did you offer any concessions of your own? Uh, I did not have to offer anything, but in my head, uh, I'm not a sports fan. And so me going to several basketball, football games over the course of the year more than makes up for it. So, Chris, is sports your church? I enjoy going to sports games a lot. So Mm -hmm. I I go to several a year, many a year. Mm -hmm. And Sandra comes along? She does. And I can only think of two times where I've forced her to go with me every other time has been voluntary well yeah she's a human with agency (laughs) (laughs) it bothers me that you can think of two times that you forced her you mean you convinced her against her hesitation right not that you forced her at crossbow point or something guilted me i guilted her into going twice how did you guilt her what was the guilt what was your guilt crossbow well there's actually an upcoming event that we have agreed to go to Mm -hmm. and my logic was if you don't want to go you don't have to go but i'm going to use that right back at you the next time you want me to do something that i don't want to do that isn't one of the churches and you have to live with those results as well (laughs) you know in a lot of ways you're right relationships are a series of retributions That, that sounds worse than it is, since to be fair, any trip that we take to, because this is an out-of-town, it's the Louisville-Clemson game um, that's on my birthday weekend that I was going to make other plans for. 
But Chris is a good sport. Anytime I ask him to go um, any of the trips, I think it's usually me saying where we're going and he goes along. And this is one of few times where he has asked for us to go on a trip. And at first I said no. And then the more I thought about it, I, it's, I should go. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Chris, you're talking about the, the Louisville. What is it? What is the game? Louisville versus Clemson. And it's at Clemson. So it'd be a road trip weekend. And, and, and on her birthday weekend. Yes. Yes. That's a pretty big sacrifice. And if I could enter one thing into evidence right now. <laughs> Please. For our 10-year anniversary, she <laughs> was on a girl's trip. So for her to play uh-huh. up how this is her birthday weekend in a big event, I, I don't buy that. Mm-hmm. That is true. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's good. Not only is there threat of retribution, there is also long-held <laughs> grudges. <laughs> Are you sure you're not married? <laughs> <laughs> pretty sure. Chris, is there something beyond just going to sports games out of town that it has the same meaning for you as presumably going to church with Sandra has for her, or is it, or is it sports? It's not that I even want something in, in a reciprocal fashion. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, you know, because there isn't anything that I really, you know, ask her to do or, or, or guilt her to do that much, even including sporting events. And so, as you kind of hit on earlier, it's a one-sided agreement right now. She gets these, these days a year, and I don't really have anything in return, and nor do I want anything in return, because her own free will is so important to me. <laughs> yeah, but she, you just heard her say that she doesn't want to go to these sports games. Just because she does it without putting up a fuss doesn't mean that it's not a sacrifice for her. Sandra, would you, I mean, let's set aside the Kentucky, the Louisville-Clemson game. In general, would you be happy if you never went to a sports game again? I enjoy the I enjoy tailgating, and I'm probably good with going to maybe one or two basketball games a year, and that's pretty much it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Say to me and to Chris again why it is personally meaningful for him to join you at church twice a year. And I want you to think of this as your ordination speech. I am your congregation, and it is time for you to get up there and tell me I don't have to be afraid of death because there's something else after, and really <laughs> convince me, because I need it. Okay. I need it, Archmage. I really do. Let me hear from, from you some of that old-time gospel about what is meaningful about Chris joining you at church two out of 52 Sundays a year. So I respect Chris's religious beliefs. He, he has none. <laughs> he, he is welcome to believe what he wants. Um, but the reason why that's important for Chris to sometimes, so whether it's Christmas or Easter or other important, uh, for example, my, my ordination service, it's important for me to, for him to be there because to me, um, those are, those go beyond just spiritual moments and they're family moments. Um, and if I can't, I, Chris, I consider Chris to be family, even though we're not married, we've been together for so long oh, yeah. that he is my family. And at those special family worship moments, I want him next to me. Chris, you hear that? 
you still want to weasel out of this by saying Keith and Mary Beth's wedding counts before non-God and the listeners to this podcast? Well, I think we've gotten to the heart of the matter here is that if it's such an important family event, she can convince me to go that way instead of binding me to this contract and forcing me to, to uphold that contract and to go. So, you know, if the contract were to be broken and she used those, those sweet words on me to try to get me to go uh, every now and then, you know, that might be a more Christian thing to do. Oh, that was some pretty uh, Aikido-like using your opponent's strength. No. What, what's Aikido again, Jesse? Yeah, Aikido is using your, uh, uh, using your opponent's strength. You know, the last church I attended, the priest was an Aikido master. Now, see, that's a church I would like to attend. Anyway, a, a deft maneuver to use her own Christianity against her, but I'm not sure I understand your point. You're saying that I should strike the contract altogether and have it be an a la carte expression of sincere desire that will move you to uh, join her at church rather than have it be a strict contract. Is that correct? That's exactly what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. And But that might end up with her you know, getting you to go to church or asking you sincerely to go to church as often as you sincerely force her to go to basketball games. I'm just saying more than two, maybe. You might be better off with the contract. Well, she could try. And I'd use that same Aikido logic on her, you know, when I need to. How do you feel when you're sitting in church? Bored. And, uh, you know, there's no connection for me uh, spiritually or, or any, any other way. And you guys intend to, uh, I mean, you guys are going to stay together, right? There are, no, there are no, I mean, at this point. Do you think you'll ever get married? Does that, ma- does that matter to you? Um, it's not the most, uh, I think it's on the table, but neither of us are, you know, feel any rush to get married. Sure. Obviously. <laughs> sure. You're only 33. You're going to live forever. <laughs> Exactly. Into, a, into an everlasting afterlife. <laughs> but if you did get married, you would get married at the Louisville-Clemson game, right? <laughs> <laughs> Way too soon. <laughs> Next year's maybe. Final question. Sandra, your ordination is going to happen in November of this year? Um, hopefully December, assuming I, I have uh, one last kind of oral examination uh, next week. And if I pass that, then I can be ordained as soon as I can plan a service. So I'm aiming for December. If I don't pass, it'll be pushed back until I do. And once you are ordained, Mm -hmm. what will your life look like then professionally within the church? Like what's, are you going to have a congregation? What's your plan? no, nothing will really change. So I currently work for my alma mater, uh, Louisville Presbyterian Theological Seminary. I'm the mm-hmm. director of alum and church relations there. And so the um, our the local committee on ministry has uh, basically approved that as a position, a non-traditional uh, ministry that I can be ordained into. Okay, but you're not going to be preaching church every Sunday in a, at a congregation of your own? No, I, not at a congregation of my own. Uh, my job requires a lot of travel, and as part of that, I visit congregations, and I'll be a guest preacher. Sure, you'll be able to do some drop-ins. Exactly. Okay, I got you. And how does the church feel about you being non-married to an atheist? They actually removed that 
so there used to be in the ordination vows, it's chastity and singleness, fidelity and marriage. But the Presbyterian Church removed the, that language. It was four, um, two years ago, I believe, mm-hmm. um, uh, at, basically because that precluded gay pastors from right. um, from being married and serving a church. So they removed that language. So by And also, together, Sandra, forgive uh, me, presumably because they heard how great it was going for you and Chris. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, so, I mean, I think some more conservative uh, uh, church members may not be thrilled if they, uh, hopefully they don't listen to this podcast, <laughs> but uh, I'm not violating any rules of the church. I think Keith and Mary Beth are going to be so mad that you named them in this podcast, they're going <laughs> to drop a dime on you. <laughs> and your ordination isn't going to happen. And then, <laughs> and then Chris is going to dance in the grave of your dead God. <laughs> That's all I need to hear in order to make my decision. I'm going to go into my uh, antechamber chapel of fake internet law and uh, and offer uh, burnt offerings to all of the seven gods of Westeros. And we'll be back in a moment to give you my decision. Please rise as Judge John Hodgman exits the courtroom. Sandra, how do you feel about your chances in the case? I think I have pretty good chances. Hopefully I, I come off as not being unreasonable in my requests. Um, I, I do wish I would have had a chance to discuss why I don't think weddings should count, and it's mainly because there's no other option. That Basically, we don't go to the ceremony, we go straight to the reception, which is actually what Chris would like to do at our friends' weddings, but I've said that that is not polite. But I feel overall my chances are pretty good. And uh, Chris, how do you feel about your chances? You know, I feel like I got beaten up a little bit there, but um, anyone as wise as to know that a hot dog is not a sandwich, I think can see that a church service um, counts if it's a wedding with all of the other aspects of a church service interwoven into it. So I'm I'm just appealing to his wisdom and uh, judiciousness for this ruling. How do you feel about Louisville's chances against Clemson? (laughs) You know, I think we have a good shot. We play them tough every year, and... You know, it's a road game, so it'll be tough, but, you know, I'll, I'll be there cheering for him. And celebrating your partner's birthday. That'll <laughs> be a, a small part of it, yes. <laughs> it'll be a large part of it. We'll see what Judge John Hodgman has to say about all this when we come back in just a second. Hello, I'm your Judge John Hodgman. The Judge John Hodgman podcast is brought to you every week by you, our members, of course, Thank you so much for your support of this podcast and all of your favorite podcasts at MaximumFun.org. And they are all your favorites. If you want to join the many member supporters of this podcast and this network, boy, oh boy, that would be fantastic. Just go to MaximumFun.org slash join. The Judge John Hodgman podcast is also brought to you this week by Aura. A-U-R-A. It's a simple but meaningful gift that you can give your mom or your dad or your step-grandparent or your uncle or your friend or anyone that you want to keep connected in your life who might not live near you. It's a digital picture frame from Aura. It's perfect for sharing pics of all the things that those friends can't be there for, from family vacations to grandkids' graduation to whatever. I have one of these, and I got one for my dad, and I got one for my mother-in-law, and it's amazing. We look at the photos all day long, and we're able to easily update their Aura frames so they see all the latest pictures 
from our lives as well. It comes with unlimited storage, simple controls on the frame. You can upload as many photos as you want and your mom or your dad or your stepdad or your stepmom or your friend or whatever can pick the perfect one. And it takes only about two minutes to set up. Seriously. See why it was named the number one digital frame by Wirecutter, uh, The Strategist, and Wired Magazine. Right now, you can save on the perfect gift that keeps on giving by visiting AuraFrames.com. For a limited time, listeners can get $20 off their best-selling frame with code Hodgman. That's A-U-R-A frames.com, promo code Hodgman. Terms and conditions apply. The Judge John Hodgman podcast is also brought to you this week by Babbel. Okay, it's 2024, 2024. Oh, if hindsight were 2020, I I don't know what I would have done differently. All I know is that I'm taking every day in this year and trying to get better a little bit every day. That's what you do. That's the way progress is made, step by step, day by day, bird by bird. And that's the way it is when you're learning anything, especially a new language with Babbel. And if Babbel can help you start speaking language in just three weeks, Imagine what you could do in the rest of this whole year. Don't pay hundreds of dollars to private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts, real human beings, to help you start speaking a new language in as little as one, two, three weeks. Studies from Michigan State University, Yale University, and others continue to prove that Babbel is better. And that's not just the Yale football team putting their thumb on the scale because they love learning Indonesian from Babbel. One study found that using Babbel for 15 hours is equivalent to a full semester at college. Take that, Yale, I guess. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but this is only for our listeners at babbel.com slash Hodgman. Please rise as Judge John Hodgman re-enters the courtroom. You may be seated. Chris, at the Clemson, at the Louisville Clemson game, are you at least going to get her like a cupcake with a single candle on it or something? Yeah, we'll do we'll do something nice or stop for dinner somewhere. Uh huh. On the way on the way to the game. No, we'll do it beforehand. <laughs> like for wings. Right. Maybe you could get her one of those soft serve ice creams that's in a football helmet, and she could keep that as her birthday gift. I like where your head's at. It's the dessert that is a gift. Yeah. And wait a minute, which sport is this again? Football. That's football, all right. That's the big one, right? That's what people care about the most. I have to say, I admire both of you um, for being together for 10 years and having obviously wildly disparate spiritual lives in that Sandra's spiritual life is so developed and meaningful to her that she has devoted her her life to the contemplation of uh, God and service. Um, and uh, Chris's spiritual life exists solely around sports, but is equally accepting of the fact that his beloved believes in a, another dimension of human life that uh, he does not. And uh, I am truly an agnostic. As long as you are not harming anyone else, I think it's you should just go for believe in whatever you want to believe in, whatever gives you solace and comfort and happiness in the world. In this way, I'm, I'm very much a, a Satanist. 
um, but no more. I think I admire Chris as well for having the sheer audaciousness of coming into this fake courtroom, suggesting that sports of all things is his equivalent to the deep spiritual life of his beloved partner of 10 years and that they are equal. But of course they are. And this is, I think, the crux of the matter, which frankly, Sandra, you, you I think you need to, to do your homework some more because your preaching was still a little wishy-washy to me. Okay. Because what this is about, from my perspective at least, which is the correct perspective, is that you want to share a major part of your life with this dude who is an, also a major part of your life. And it does not matter to you whether or not he believes in God or whatever, as we say here in the court of Judge John Hodgman, but he sees what you're up to and sees what matters to you. As is always the case, we hope that the people we share our lives with care about that kind of stuff. And one would think that and hope that our partner would be interested. And Chris, you also presented flawed arguments, though far less wishy-washy, because while it is the case, even Sandra agrees, that you did attend a church service at Keith and Mary Beth's wedding, the spirit of the contract is that you spend two holy days a year with Sandra in a what she calls a family church experience, which really means, I think, church experience with her in a way that is connected with her, not just a, a default, oh, I had to go to this wedding, so I guess I get to notch this one off. And I think that you can't include the wedding, even though that's obviously a church service, because that has nothing to do with the agreement that you guys made with each other, right? That's on Keith and Mary Beth. If you want to be mad at anyone, be mad at dumb Keith and Mary Beth for making you go to church <laughs> an extra time this year. That's not on Sandra. That's not part of the agreement that you guys made when you entered into this fuzzy non-marriage that you exist in now. And, I, and I'm, by the way, I, you may notice that I haven't said anything about how this court historically advises people to not cohabitate when they are not married because you get all of the pain of being in a financial uh, partnership without any of the legal protections of actual marriage, but I don't care. You know what I mean? You guys are already living in, in twilight between belief and disbelief. Let you forever prosper in the ambiguity that you inhabit, but deal fairly with each other. Chris, you believe in nothing except your own delusion that Sandra wants to go to these sports games and is doing so voluntarily. No, sir, she's making a sacrifice because she knows that it is meaningful to you. And tailgates are fun. Church is not fun. I fully accept that you are bored out of your mind at church. And I was surprised that you didn't even attempt to deploy the fact that it makes you feel like a hypocrite because you don't believe or that offends your sensibilities and your belief in science and the, and the world or whatever you would say as an atheist. You truly just said, it's boring to me. 
And that's honest and that's true. But sometimes you got to do the boring stuff to support your non-wife in life. So, I was going to say that this is not a contract because it is one-sided. Sandra offered nothing formally in return for the demand that you attend church twice a year. And so there is no contract to enforce because one party is not giving anything up except for her birthday. <laughs> her birthday weekend, she is giving up. And I am tempted, as so many in religious stories are tempted, by that snake in the tree, Chris, who is suggesting that we throw out all contracts in agreement and just let it go on a case-by-case -case basis. And in fact, I am going to fall prey to temptation. I'm going to eat of that apple. Sharing in each other's lives should not be subject to a contract. This is not to say that Sandra's request of Chris sharing in her spiritual and professional life two Sundays out of every year is unreasonable. That's perfectly reasonable. That is, I would say, the bare minimum above one Sunday per year. <laughs> Nor is it to suggest that Chris's request that Sandra blow off her birthday weekend for a football game reasonable. It is highly unreasonable. <laughs> but such unreasonable and reasonable requests are made all the time in an unspoken way in marriage and non-marriage. And the moment that you codify it into contract is the moment that you start keeping score, holding grudges, offering retribution, threatening retribution, I should say. And now I think that you have heard my sermon, Chris. I trust and hope in your humanity that you appreciate that going to church on Christmas and Easter in support of your non-life is a perfectly reasonable thing to do, and you should not be trying to weasel out of it by counting in Keith and Mary Beth's wedding or that time you walked by a church or that time you saw a church service on television. Just do the basic, decent, good thing. Do unto Sandra what she is obviously offering to you. The sacrifice, such as her birthday, for the game that is meaningful to you. Take pleasure in the things that are meaningful to the other person, even if you find them boring. Therefore, contract annulled, not that there ever was one. I only encourage you to do what all religions, including the Church of Satan, urge you to do the right thing. This is the sound of a gavel. Judge John Hodgman rules, that is all. Please rise as Judge John Hodgman exits the courtroom. Sandra, how do you feel? I'm 100% satisfied. How do you feel, Chris? I'm, I'm fairly satisfied as well. Um, you know, the contract is broken, which I, which I wanted, and I'll do my best not to weasel out of anything and, and be a good person right back at her. That's what I like to hear. That's a good attitude, Chris. Good work. Thumbs up. I'm going to be rooting for Louisville in the Louisville-Clemson game. Oh, thank you. <laughs> no, nah, I'm not going to watch that. It's boring. College sports are boring. <laughs> Thanks for joining us on the Judge John Hodgman podcast, guys. 
Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing, and wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Judge Sean Hodgman, you think that's going to work? No. <laughs> I, I hope that guy goes to her ordination. He better, gee whiz. I know. It sounded like he was hesitating. Look, I haven't been to church for a long time, but just as a social, I would go to church and I would go to sports just to observe and get to know my neighbors who enjoy that stuff and to see what goes on in those rooms. I hope that they both approach uh, their, their mutual disinterest with that level of curiosity. I wouldn't just go to sports. I wouldn't just go to church. If my beautiful and brilliant wife, Teresa, was taking an improv class, I would go to literally the worst social obligation of all time, the improv class show. <laughs> because I love my wife. Yes. And I would be proud of her for dedicating her life to something bigger than her. <laughs> In this specific case, maybe not exactly that, but like still dedicating herself to something. And I would go to a tiki party at the uh, Church of Satan headquarters in Poughkeepsie, New York, Peter H. Gilmore's painted black Victorian house called the Black House. Not because I love my wife, because that sounds like a good time. Yeah, I was going to say, that's not much of a sacrifice. It's yeah, probably no, not know. the best example. Uh, we in the Church of Satan don't believe in self-sacrifice. <laughs> Our thanks this week to Alex Pang for naming this week's episode Separation of Church and Date. Thanks, Pang. It was engineered at uh, by Russell Wells at Louisville Public Media. Our producer, of course, Jennifer Marmer. We want your cases. Go to MaximumFun.org slash J-J-H-O. That's MaximumFun.org slash J-J-H-O. And share your case with us. No case is too big or too small. Uh, we page through every single one of those. We really appreciate every case submission we get. So even if you're not sure your case is a winner, please submit it. Uh, we can decide that. Yeah, that's our job. Yeah, MaximumFun.org slash J-J-H-O. Feel no shame. No shame should be felt. Shame, shame. There's an appropriate amount of shame in life. That is my religion. <laughs> uh, is that the, the religion of the New Englander? Yeah, that's, that's right. The, the religion of the New Englander is you don't deserve happiness.
Um, you can hashtag your tweets, hashtag JJ Ho. We always uh, love to see people talking about the show. And you can talk about the show on Reddit at uh, MaximumFun.Reddit.com, uh, where there is always a lively discussion. And, of course, on Facebook, on the Judge John Hodgman page or in the Maximum Fun group, which you should join because it's a really lovely bunch of people. Um, that's it. We'll talk to you next time on the Judge John Hodgman podcast. Church is adjourned. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.